Welcome to All Things Tur. I'm Emily. I'm Jennifer. And this is a podcast that takes you away from the horrors of everyday life, uh, such as insurrections and white supremacy, and takes you to a land of true crime, gross history, and everything in between. Weird science. Weird science. And also still the horrors of everyday life, I guess. Still the horrors of everyday life. Which, you know what, I haven't gotten a weird disease, nor have I had any varmint in my house lately, so that's pretty positive. I am deeply disappointed. (laughs) Well, I mean, one of my cats keeps acting like there are mice behind the, like, underneath the kitchen cupboards, but they're traps, and there are never any mice in the trap, and there's never any mouse move around, so... We might be looking at cat psychosis, uh, or maybe there are just exceedingly clever mice. I don't know, but... They could be clever mice. They could be, that they're just, like, taunting her, but then they also know how to not get caught by me. I'd believe that. <laughs> Horrifying, but I'd believe it. I, um, you know, of the many things I use to survive, you know, the pandemic, one being my Nintendo Switch... And books and crafts I'm really bad at. Well, I guess that's more than one. Three things. <laughs> Waiting to hear some sort of like about some sort of injury <laughs> or old timey disease or, you know, spout of <laughs> terrible diarrhea <laughs> from you is just really helped. And now you're telling me you have nothing. I, in a weird way, the, uh, being in the pandemic and staying in my house has sort of calmed a lot of that terrible thing. I, I, I can't think of anything weird that's happened to me except like nosebleeds, but I live in a very dry climate. So, you know, if you ever, yeah, well. if you get a nosebleed, lean forward, don't lean back. Um, or lean on a friend and then lean on them. Scream. <laughs> Yeah, bleed on them and then, like, scream when you get back. Be like, what happened to you? Why did you do it to me? Ah. Yeah. Um, I will try my best to give you some horrifying tales in the near future. I'm sorry to disappoint you. Yeah. Well, that's fine. Whatever. It's not going to ruin our friendship or anything. Well, will it heal our friendship if I tell you a terrifying tale of someone who did have a scary thing happen to them? Yes. Yes. Okay, good. Well, Jennifer... Maybe. Well, depends on how it goes, right? Yeah. If it, if it, I mean, it's not terrifying enough, I'm just going to walk away. <laughs> the best thing is I'm such an extrovert and I'm such a talker that, like, how long would I have to talk before you realize that no one was there? <laughs> it just kept going. That's a, that's a good question. Ha- okay. I know you're going to tell a story, but how many times has it happened to you where you've been talking to somebody on the phone for an extended period of time, and you've been telling a story, and it wasn't until you were getting close to finishing the story that you realized that they weren't on the phone anymore because they lost connection? Constantly, constantly. I For some reason, it's like my <laughs> mother and my sister that I will just, t- it's like, I'll call them back and be like, what was the last thing you heard? And they tell me, and I'm like, that was so long ago. <laughs> It's like, oh, God, I gotta start all over again. Oh, 100%. Yeah, it's, this happened to me so many times. It's, it's terrible. It's the worst. Uh, But it's not gonna happen this time, because this is an excellent story. Are you ready? 
Yes, I'm ready. Jennifer. Got my seatbelt on. I would like to introduce you to Helen Voorhees Brock. She is the heir of the fortune of Frank Brock of Brock Candy Frame. When I say Brock Candy, what comes to mind? Anything? Um, can you give me the spelling of Brock? B-R-A-C-H. Good thing we had that discussion so- about accents earlier. Is it Brack? <laughs> I'm not I'm not sure, but it reminds me of like um like the it's like those uh hard candies mm-hmm. and they have mm-hmm. uh the sweethearts that's what i'm trying to come up with yeah the little conversation hearts at halloween that are like will you or not halloween i'm sorry <laughs> v- valentine i mean <laughs> i mean to your point valentine's day can be a type of halloween depending on what happens very but. horrific will you dun, 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 dun. Ah, yeah um <laughs> conversation hearts 100 percent starlight mints you know those mints that are like wrapped in the paper the cellophane that has like green written on it um basically the worst halloween candy candy corn chocolate raisins sugar-free candy uh do you know those neapolitan soft candies that you get at halloween that are like pink and white and brown do you know what i'm talking about oh god yes. yeah and like the halloween caramels those are all brocks so, uh, I didn't know that the Halloween caramels were part of that. That's, that is a fun fact. Yeah. Um, that is Brock Candy. Uh, if Brock Candy would like to sponsor this podcast, I take it back in saying that it was horrible candy and say that instead it was the best candy that I ever had growing up. And I am super pumped that it exists. Uh, yes, we, uh, love all of the candies. We do love all the candies. Also, frankly, as a human raccoon, I will get down on some Starlight Mints. I will get down on some chocolate raisins. I will just hoover them and crunch them. Are they good? Are they bad? Who knows? It's going in my mouth. Doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll, we'll eat it. We'll eat it. So Helen Voorhees Brock uh, married the heir of that fortune, Frank Brock. Uh, at the time when he met married her, she was a hat check girl, which is adorable. I worked very, very hard to find the year they were married, and I could not find it. However, Frank did die in 1970. Um, So whatever their marriage was, I don't know how long it was. They were very happy. There's been no indication that they were unhappy. And when he died in 1970, Helen was a millionaire widow worth, according to the Trolley Project, $20 million. Dang. Yeah. So, bummer your husband died, but she lives her best life after that. She likes animals and donates her money to animal welfare organizations. One source says generously, another says, quote, her contributions to charity were relatively small for a woman of her means, end quote. (laughs) So, that's shady and hilarious. (laughs) Um, She... Well, fine then. I mean... (laughs) That's like someone being like, Jeff Bezos gives to charity. No, he doesn't. The reality is, no, he doesn't. Fuck Jeff Bezos. Kill him forever. Compost his body. I Anyway. <sighs> you, you get it out? No, but I'm going to move on. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, do I love to be in my soapbox? Yes. Do people want to hear that? No. So let's get back to Helen Brock. 
She had a lavender Rolls Royce and a pink Cadillac. She lived in an eighteen room mansion. <laughs> she had a huge monument, which is empty because spoiler alert, her body's never been found. Uh, her husband and her two beloved dogs were interned with this empty monument, and those two dogs were named Candy and Sugar. So, frankly, she was doing all right for a semi-rich person. Like, she's not seeking to screw the lower classes, but she's having fun. I just, I love that she had a lavender and pink car. Like A lavender Rolls Royce and a pink yeah. Cadillac. A lavender, Ro- like, first of all, a Rolls Royce is so 60s, 70s, fancy. James Bond, fancy. Yeah, like, Rolls Royce is not even on the radar anymore because that's how fancy it is and she was like not only do i have one of those the super girly color motherfucker she's just like you know what i feel like she's just the queen of weird flex she was just like i have these you know fluffy colored cards and by the way i have these sweetly named dogs 100 percent and a monument 100 so i <laughs> do believe we should compost the rich people but if they're not going to contribute helpfully to society either through charity or through composting their bodies then the least they can do is be interesting and she is being interesting and so i gotta give her that (laughs) so three years after her husband dies in 1973 either at a dinner party or a chichi car wash one or the other i've seen both things Helen meets this guy named Richard Bailey, and Richard Bailey is called by a Washington Post article, quote, a handsome gigolo, end quote, which is hilarious, uh, and all of us should aspire to such a descriptor in the Washington Post. Um, A source on Unwrapped called him, quote, the almost 20-year younger Bailey showered her with flowers, gentlemanly attention, and dancing, end quote. So... Basically, again, she's killing it. She's a rich old lady who's boning a young dude. Good for her. However, (laughs) at some point, Richard Bailey sells her three racehorses, and they're at wildly overvalued prices. So he's doing this on purpose, and Wikipedia says that she paid $98,000, and they were worth only $20,000. And, uh... Helen catches on to this pretty quickly. And then uh, quite a few articles sort of diverge away from Helen's story and start talking about Richard Bailey and say that he is this guy who's known for wooing and swindling old ladies. Um, Which, once again, if there are any Hollywood executives listening, because of course they are, because this is the best podcast on earth. But, I mean, duh. duh, This would be an amazing movie. So, uh, Richard Bailey, again, he's this guy going around swindling old ladies, making them fall in love with them, taking their money. George Clooney would be great for the spot. Additionally, (laughs) no offense to George Clooney, but additionally, Richard Bailey's best friend was this guy named Silas James. So, I'm going to go on a little bit of a tangent here away from Helen, but bear with me. So, Silas Jane is if you're a Parks and Rec fanatic like I am, as the cops call Tammy, to, quote, a real piece of work. So Silas Jane is convicted of rape in his teens, which is like a big fucking yikes. Uh, he That conviction was so severe that he's barred from service in World War II, which is, again, fucking yikes. So 
okay, cool, he's going to do whatever he does. And he decides that because he can't serve during World War II, he's going to sell horse meat. Oh, okay. <laughs> like, that's the next logical step, right? <laughs> Definitely not, like, ten question marks in my notes after that moment. So after that, this is where Silas, like, this is his jam. He finds himself. He finds his milieu. He spends 20 years after that doing various horse swindles. Like, for example, uh, over-insuring the horses and killing them or burning down the stables for insurance money. Uh, some of the ways that they kill horses is like putting ping pong balls in their noses so they can't breathe, which is, listen, I don't like horses. I am deeply afraid of them. I don't trust them. But I also don't think you should just fucking murder horses. Uh, he also... Well... Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Are you going to say you should murder horses? <laughs> I was just going to say, you know, um, you know, that'd be the equivalent of suffocation by marble up the nose. I mean, I feel like the line is not the method, but sort of like the motive, like... If someone is like, please kill me, I'm in pain, I want to die, and you suffocate like, them, then that's not as bad as you just walking up to someone and being like, time to die now. Well, it's just like a shitty way to die, too, by suffocation. Like, that's unnecessarily prolonged. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I And there's no dignity in dying by ping pong ball. I know, yeah. and uh, Up your nose. Uh, up your nose. And you're a horse, so like... You know, your leg could fucking kick someone's bones apart, but you die by ping pong ball. Super embarrassing. Yeah, exactly. This is why I think... Fuck that shit. Ghost... <laughs> Fuck that guy. Yeah, right? Fuck that guy. But also, like, ghost stories are really missing what's up. Because, one, horses killed in terrible means should 100% be ghosts. So be like, I need to avenge my death. <laughs> Uh, and yet I never hear <laughs> stories about ghost horses. Oh my god, that's... <laughs> but also, like, Emily, what if you were talking to a psychic, and the psychic was like, I'm actually getting a message, uh, from the spirit <laughs> realm. It's a ghost horse, and it's like, I've heard all the shit you've been talking on your podcast, I'm going to haunt your ass. I'm not just going to haunt your ass. I'm going to horse haunt your ass. I, I'm i going to be so hoarse. You're going to, like, wake up with, like, half of your carrots eating out of your refrigerator and stuff. It's going to be Just, bad. like, hoof marks all over my house and just, like, the, the weird thing they do with their lips. Clop, 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 clop. Their lips over their teeth where they're like, blub, blub, blub. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yep. I would I would 100% be like, call the priest, call the Indian shaman to shade sage this call everyone listen all ghosts can hang out with me except horse ghosts i draw the line i will not fucking tolerate it you're going to hell or wherever you go i would move i would burn it down no absolutely not no horse ghost uh-uh you know you gotta be careful because if reincarnation is a possibility <laughs> you are just am... on the top of the list to come back as a horse hi listen you know why I don't like horses? Because they could bite your fucking fingers off. They could kick you in the face. And your jog is broken. You die. They they do whatever they want. And people are like, look at these beautiful things. And you're, they're just like biting and kicking and all over. So 
if I come back as one of those villains in the body of a beautiful chestnut stallion, acceptable. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, Richard Bailey. I don't know if he would agree with me or not. He's definitely a dick, uh, but he's and both literally and figuratively. Yeah, exactly. He's super into horses and screwing them over. Uh, he's also, like, people complain about him being, like, super drunk and loud and, like, salty and coarse. He somehow, though, is able to, like, get this stable with great horses that's, like, really well-connected with the upper class in Chicago. And so people would, like, send their daughters to, like, come ride horses in like a fancy rich person way and he would like get inappropriate and then if anybody can like complain he'd be like well fuck you everybody knows your daughter is a floozy and if you tell anybody we'll tell everyone that she's you know a loose lady and that'll ruin your name and so he is a scumbag whose behavior he knows how to like skate uh, if anybody also knows the Indiana Dune swimming case, do you know that one, Jennifer? I feel like we've talked about this before. It's a good one. So he is possibly connected to that. And I loved that story. It's super creepy and weird and unsolved. Uh, so I might do an episode on that. Or if you're impatient, you can um, go and listen to uh, the, the Trail Went Cold does a really good episode on them. And oh yeah, I know about this. Yeah, one. and explains the connection to Silas Jane, which has nothing really to do with Helen Brock, which is to say otherwise that he's just a villain. Like he is basically a Hollywood gangster villain. If this was a movie, he is being played by Joe Pesci. So, one hundred percent, Joe Pesci slash Silas Jane is BFFs with this dude, Richard Bailey. Who's dating Helen Brock. And we're circling back to this Helen Brock because, spoiler alert, she disappears. And that's what this whole episode is about. So, according to a goddamn lawsuit, quote, on New Year's Eve, 1977, Brock and Bailey danced the night away at New York's Waldorf Astoria. But their relationship soon began to deteriorate, end quote. And part of that is, again, Helen becoming aware of this horse swindling that she's a big target of. Uh, another point is uh, when Bailey is like, hey, I'm going to show you some great horses. Give me $150,000 for these amazing horses. And she was like, fuck that. Fuck you. Fuck these horses. Fuck this system. Fuck everything. I'm going to the district attorney. And she made like a huge stink. She's being like a super Karen. And uh, she's going to, like, all her friends and was like, I'm going to fucking tell everybody. And she never did, but she was super angry about it. And she probably, like, drove around in her lavender rolls Royce, <laughs> listing out all those profanities. If you and then when she got tired of driving it, she went back home, got in her pink Cadillac, and then drove around and screamed some more profanity. I mean, if you were a rich lady who had a purple Rolls Royce, wouldn't you just run around screaming, like, 
fuck this, fuck that, like throwing random objects out of the window, just in different neighborhoods, balls of popcorn, Christmas ornaments, trash, bags of gold, like just whatever. Yes, bags of gold. (laughs) Whatever weird shit you could just be like, fuck Richard Bailey, fuck horses, fuck this, fuck that. I mean, again, one... If you're going to be rich and you can't do anything good with it, at least be eccentric and entertaining. And two, Helen was trying to do that for us. Well, you know, given the time period, I think I would most likely just throw, you know, free cigarettes out of my car. I mean, it's the 70s, right? Just fucking throw Lucy's. Fuck Richard Bailey and here's some cigarettes. Right? Thank you. Lucy's, like you're an Indian reservation gas station. Uh, as my hometown would have us believe. But, yeah, just Lucy's and profanities move on forward. So, in early February of 1977, Helen's like, listen, I gotta get a physical, because you gotta do. And because she's a rich weirdo, she's like, I'm not just gonna get a physical in the city of Chicago or Florida where I split my time. I'm gonna fly up to the goddamn Mayo Clinic in Minnesota. Um... Because, again, you're a rich weirdo. So she does that. And do you know what the Mayo Clinic finds? Um, Jennifer, they find that there's nothing wrong with her except that she is overweight. So she has a giant, sweetheart-shaped fat ball in her. So they, they basically just stamp that they're like, yep, guaranteed American. <laughs> like, you are overweight. Um, can you imagine? I just, this is why I'm... This is a perfect example of how rich people are different from regular people because I would never go to a world-class research institution to evaluate me just for them to tell me that I'm overweight. Like, if I'm going to the Mayo Clinic, it's like, well, I have this mushroom growing out of my shoulder that no one's ever seen on (laughs) Earth before. And she's just like, give me my normal runaround. I don't even get a physical every year, and I have health insurance. But also, like, if you had a mushroom growing out of your shoulder, that'd be pretty cool. It would be. I would probably eat it. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, but what if it was poisonous? I mean, if I die by eating my own body's poisonous production, I don't know what word to put there, uh, then I kind of feel like I deserve it. That's a fine way to go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fair enough. As a Klingon would say, it's a good day to die. Um, so anyway, so Helen, rich weirdo, this is on February 17th, and we're about to stumble into the last guaranteed side of her, which is exciting and interesting and terror-y on its own, but then after she disappears, everybody acts buckwild. So the last guaranteed thing that she does is she goes into a gift shop in Minneapolis And she's like, or in Minnesota, my bad. And she goes, hey, I need to buy some shit. She, quote, purchased $41 worth of cosmetics and bath towels, telling the clerk that she was in a hurry because her horse, I'm sorry, excuse me, houseman (laughs) was waiting. (laughs) Helen was not sure what she meant. Uh, She was traveling alone and no one was seen with her, end quote. So... She says this to someone at essentially a hotel shopping boutique after she spends way too much money on bullshit. And then, allegedly, she boards a plane and heads back to Illinois. Now, 
I emphasize allegedly because I started telling you about her shady boyfriend and his BFF Silas Jane, and this is obviously setting you up for some stuff that they did. Well, maybe. Buckle up. Here's where it gets weird. So Helen did indeed actually have a quote-unquote houseman, but he wasn't in Minnesota with her. And this guy is named Jack Matlick, which is the perfect name for any sort of detective um, <laughs> novel. <No joke>. Like, <laughs> any sort of actual mystery thing, Jack Matlick, perfect. So, according to him, he picked up Helen from Chicago O'Hare, drove her home, and then stayed with her over the weekend to do chores. I guess. So, he picks her up on, like, a Friday or something. And then he says, and then on Monday, I drove her back to the airport Monday morning early to fly out to Florida. And I've said before, she split her time between Chicago and Florida. However, it was uncharacteristic and amusing that word as a direct quote from the Charlie Project of him to stay with her. So, like, he never stayed at her house over the weekend, even if he had chores. Additionally, friends would, like, stop by to see Helen and they were told that she was unavailable by Jack, which was also very, very weird for her. Um, another person who said that, oh, here's the person checking in on weekend was Richard Bailey, her boyfriend, who was calling from Florida where he was staying with another lady. So they're like, what the fuck is going on? Um, the other idea is like Jack Mack like, is saying like, oh, hey, I took her out Monday morning for an early flight, you know, she didn't have a lot of luggage. I just dropped her off. And they were like, false. One, she's not a morning person. Two, she always travels with a ton of luggage. Three, uh, she never actually checked in for that flight. So what is going on? Well, it gets even weirder than that. This Washington Post article, and again, all sources are always on our Facebook page, um, said that police actually don't think Helen ever left Minneapolis. Uh, or at least they didn't arrive in O'Hare, and she certainly never left Chicago for Florida the way that Jack Matlick has told everybody, including, da-da-da, his wife. Uh, he has a wife. Who, big reveal. I know, big reveal, <laughs> right? He has a wife, surprise, who says she lives outside the Chicagoland area, sort of like the suburbs, and she said that, you know, he he contacted her and said he was staying not at the house, but somewhere in Chicago, which again is sort of like all these different lies about what's going on over the weekend when Helen was purportedly in the house sequestering, uh, pre COVID where it would have been really weird. Now it would have just been super normal. <laughs> um, he said that Helen didn't show up. So this is what he told his wife. So he decided to just, like, replace some carpet and uh, wax and shampoo the pink Cadillac. But another source also says that he painted the rooms and shampooed the carpets and detailed the car. So, like, at any rate, he's he's doing weird shit, like, chore-wise and then spreading lies about why he's doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Why do you why you need the shampoo the car or a carpet? Yep. Why do you need to do that? There's also like a weird rumor slash source. It's hard to trace her out and this feels like definitely a local gossip situation and that's why it's hard for me to find, you know, 30, 40 years later. But um 
there's like hot goss that he also bought a meat grinder that weekend. Ew, gross. Please don't have please don't have eaten. Uh-huh. I'm in, I'm done with cannibals. Yep. <laughs> so one last bit. Jack was found to have fifteen thousand dollars worth of checks from Helen to him that he was like, Yeah, these are her checks. Uh I 100% I'm just cashing them and she wrote them and then people are like well you forged it and he's like shit I did like it's the the timeline from Helen wrote these checks to Matt Lick forged them are very is very short so all of this is super weird and you're thinking to yourself this houseman this butler killed her right but is are you sure that you're not talking about clue I mean is this this is are you punking me? It is basically <laughs> Clue, right? Uh, because here's the other thing. Uh, Jack Matlick, like, contacted her brother, and her brother was like, whatever, 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 and didn't actually report her officially missing for two weeks. What the fuck? Yeah, and they were like, so apparently Jack called the cops, and the cops were like, well, you have to, you know, like, you can't report her missing, which doesn't make sense. Of course they could. Uh, a family member has to, and the brother, like, finally got on after two weeks, and then was like, eh, okay, like, filed a report, and then was like, yeah, I'll show up from Cincinnati to Chicago at the end of the week. I'm sorry, your sister's gone, and he, you're like, I'll see you in a week. They get there, and the first thing that Helen's brother and Jack Matt, like, do is destroy her diaries. So she had these daily diaries that was like, if I'm dead, destroy them. And they're just like, well, she's missing. So, and they burn them all up. Well, at least, you know, maybe they kept their word. <laughs> Super weird though, right? Like, how do they know she's dead? What's going on? The problem is, and there's a private investigator who gets roped into this and he describes it as like, everybody involves X weird and suspicious. Here are some more things that are going out. Do you remember how I told you about her weird, like, grifter boyfriend who's, like, BFFs with the horse swindler? Yes, horseman. Yeah. Yeah. So her boyfriend, Richard Bailey, is the one who made the Mayo Clinic trip arrangements. So he's the one who was like, yeah, get on this plane, get on this plane. Um, a year after her disappearance in 1978, on Bailey, again, he's, like, all involved in this, like, horse business. He has these stables, somebody graffitoed on these stables in red paint, which is very dramatic. Quote, Richard, For real. Cri- quote, Richard Bailey knows where Mrs. Brack's body is. Stop him, please. Also. I mean, that's, that's as good as they could do. I mean, like, listen. Where, where's the drama? You know, where's the. It's so chill and. Where's my sound bite? <laughs> not at all intense or anything. <laughs> also a year later um this private investigator whose last name is mank gets roped into it and he's trying to find her a copy of her will and her lawyers for whatever reason will not turn over the will they're like she's not dead so this is gonna violate confidentiality blah 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 which to me seems super weird and sus but whatever um, he says, the private investigator says that a year after, in 1978, he found, quote, in plain sight, a suitcase with baggage tags for the Minneapolis to Chicago flight. Brock was supposed to have taken the day before she disappeared. In two previous searches of the house by local police, the bag had not appeared, end quote. 
Interesting. Yeah, so it's super weird. Like, is her boyfriend involved? Is her butler involved? Is it Colonel Mustard? Yeah, it is absolutely feeling very, um, like, everybody is involved. And one of the theories is that Richard Bailey paid um, Jack, the butler, to do this for him. Uh, and then, of course, the disappearance is really weird and spooky. It becomes this local legend that, quote from Washington Post, Chicago-area children were spooked by tales that her husband had disposed of her body with a meat grinder, end quote. So, of course. Yeah, so it's just this weird open question mark, which already would be worthwhile for all things terror because I love unsolved stories all kinds of things like that are super interesting to me, but the plot thickens, or the thick plottens, if you will. <laughs> so, I like the thick plottens. The thick plottens. In 1984, the thick plottens, she is interned, quote-unquote, she has an empty grave with her dog, Sugar and Candy, and her husband, but this is where things start to heat up. So, Richard Bailey, her ex-boo, uh, is indicted on 29 charges of all kinds of things like fraud, racketeering, mail fraud, conspiring to murder. Who is he conspiring to murder? <gasps> Why one? Helen Brock. So, I wonder if... Wait, hold, hold on. All right. No. Okay. I'm with you. Let's go. All right. So, he's indicted on conspiring to murder her. And the prosecution's theory is that he was like, oh shit, you know, I'm involved in this horse conspiracy with this Jane fella, <laughs> and she's gonna, you know, blow the whistle on this whole racket, and so we've got to get rid of her, and I'm gonna rope her butler, Jack, into doing it for me. Uh, but, one... While he's being deposed, even before he was indicted, he pled the fifth on fucking everything. Everything. He said nothing. Like, even if they were like, did you know Helen Brack? He'd be like, I plead the fifth. Which, to be fair, <laughs> I mean, it's weird, right? But it's a fair strategy. Like, if you're ever arrested, you should not say anything to the cops. You should not say anything. But it's still super weird. Uh, in court, he pled guilty to all of the charges except for any of them that were involving Helen. He said that he never, like, conspired against her. He never did anything. He went to jail uh, from 1984-ish to 2019. And even when he was released, he has maintained his innocence the whole time. He's just like, I never plotted against her. I never did any of that. Um However, at his sentencing, the judge, the judge said, at quote, it is more probable than not that Bailey did commit the offenses of conspiring to murder and soliciting the murder of Helen Brack. Well then. For the butler, Jack, uh, apparently, allegedly, he was supposed to get $50,000 a year from Helen's will. So she's like, yeah, you're a cool dude. You're chill. Here's what's up. Uh, but he gave it up. And said, like, I don't want to claim this. I don't want this money. And part of that was because 
uh, he was sort of trying to prove that he had nothing to do with her disappearance, nothing to do with his, with her murder. Um, and then again, according to this Washington Post article, quote, although mate like escaped the law, he couldn't escape his infamy. Reporters and media hounded Matlick the rest of his life and police did little to shelter him from the harassment. Matlick died in 2011, maintaining his innocence until the very end. That is not, however, the end of the story of Helen Brack and did the butler or the boyfriend kill the heiress. Instead, there's yet one more turn of the screw. In 2005, uh, this, quote, horseman, and I put that word in quotes because I would never use that word on my own, uh, but his, his name is Joe Clemens, and he comes forward and he's like, yo, y'all remember Silas Jane, that guy who's all about, like, the horse fraud and the horse murder and shit? Well, he got me and ten others, including a police officer, to beat Helen to death so that the news of the horse chicanery wouldn't get out. Which seems... Interesting. Yeah, it seems like a bit much. But according to Plemons, Richard Bailey was legitimately innocent, as he claimed. And the way that they did this was a lookalike of Helen was used on the plane. So she never did leave Minneapolis. They put a lookalike on her from the plane from the Mayo Clinic to Chicago. And then the real Helen, like, was put in a car where Plemons and, again, 10 others took her, beat her to death. Uh, and then at one point burned her body up. Uh, and Plemons says that he was ordered to do this by this guy whose last name is Hanson. And again, if you're interested in the whole Silas Jane conspiracy or, um, the Indiana Dunes women, you bump into this Hanson. I think his name is Robert Hanson. I can't remember his first name, but Hanson is later convicted of other murders, um, which are mostly three murders of young boys that he assaults before he murders and then doesn't dispose of their bodies very well. Uh, Sounds like a stand-up guy. Yeah, he's super chill. It's cool. Uh, (laughs) But this Plemons guy said, yo, Hanson told me to get in on this, and so I just showed up for this job, and there's the station wagon and they opens it up and there's like a uh, something wrapped in a canvas or a tarp and he hears this moan like a body moan and Hansen says quote put holes in the blanket or there will be two of you in the station wagon dun, dun, dun. And so the implication that Plemons has is that Silas Jane ordered this murder um, because he used Richard Bailey to kind of grift this old lady. And when she got wise, they realized that, uh oh, we can't do this. So they set in motion this huge conspiracy to get rid of her. And after she was beaten and then shot, uh, her body was incinerated, quote, in a white hot steel furnace outside Gary, Indiana, end quote. One of the things that Plemons has to his credit is a ring that he says came off of Helen Brack. And people are like, sure. And other people are like, no. And 
whatever story you have, whether the butler was involved, whether the boyfriend was involved, whether Silas Jane was involved, there's really no corroboration or contradiction or anything anywhere. And that is basically the end. Uh, Helen Brack has been declared legally dead, but what happened to her, how she disappeared, uh, is still up in the air. That is a crazy fucking story. It is an insane story, and I want to end it with the saddest passage of all time, which comes from the Washington Post. And so Richard Bailey, again, spent a lot of time in jail, and... Uh, I just want to read you this quote. It says, quote, Bailey was not giving up, and this is during his appeal. Quote, standing beside him in the courtroom was his latest wife, wealthy plastic surgeon Annette Hoffman, who met and married him in April 1994 after a whirlwind romance in Las Vegas. Although she had the marriage annulled when a private detective found that he was being sued by several women for embezzlement, she changed her mind and married him again in December in a jailhouse ceremony. Quote, he makes you feel like you're the only woman in the world, said Hoffman, even after the judge said her husband was responsible for a murder. Quote, I just never in my life have been treated like that. Well. The saddest passage of all time. All of this was terrible. That's the worst thing that I read. <laughs> yeah, that was... <laughs> uh really feel like you missed your calling as a pop or pop songwriter i know i know like britney christina share who (laughs) (laughs) no this is just like a buck wild disappearance story it's super weird everybody's incredibly shady there's so many motives and then it just ends on this moment of like even if he wasn't involved in the murder of this particular person, there's still so much chicanery and lying going on that it's very, like, cinematic and sad and grifty and sleazy and terrifying, if you will. I don't think I can ever eat any of those candies now without without going into that dark place. <laughs> without thinking about the disappearance of Helen Brock. And maybe ghost horses. Ghost horses just coming up to be like, hey, I could have been a contender. And then they like punch you in the face with their plasma hoof. I mean, they're going after you. They're going to bother me. I'm fine with horses. What if it is like one of those uh, time loops where I've always been afraid of horses because I've always been haunted by ghost horses, but I've always been gone. Haunted by ghost horses because of all the shit that I talk because I am afraid of ghost horses. And maybe at some point you were a horse. I mean, again, just taking giant shits and pisses and kicking people whenever. I'm fine with this. (laughs) Uh, That sounds like a terrible time loop. That sounds... Maybe... Like a great time to end the podcast. (laughs) I mean, there's that too as... You know, I'm going to end on this note. What if time loops are just purgatory? Then, listen, it's 2021, January. We're all deep fucking purgatory. All of us have done terrible things. It's time to fucking atone. (laughs) I'm ready to get out of it. Let's go. Mend your horse ways.
Oh, God. Mendum. <laughs> Goodbye forever. Goodbye forever. All Things Terror is written, recorded, and produced by two amateurs, Jennifer and Emily. Our sound editor is Clint. Intro music is by Cosimo Fogg. Come chat with us on Twitter at All Things Terror or Instagram at All Things Terror Podcast. Ask nicely and we'll probably send you a really cute sticker. If you like this podcast, tell a friend or write a review. It really helps us and helps more people find us. Goodbye forever. I wish I had like a clapper. <laughs> like one of those little toys that you flip back and forth. Yeah, and I was trying to think of the actual name of it, but then all I came up with was the clapper, which is a really unfortunate name since there's already a nickname for an STD called the clap, right? So Yeah. Or as we said in high school, because we were really classy and not at all trashy rural people, we would describe it as give them a hand. <laughs> Who, who were you and your friends in high school? Uh, speaking of who was I in high school, uh, I don't know if you've seen the internet sensation Letterkenny on Hulu. Uh, yes, of course I have. Yeah, that is, I watched to be some fair. episodes with my brother this Christmas, and I said, this is the most accurate thing I have ever seen about my hometown. Like, <laughs> growing up in a small rural town, you want to know what that's like? Just letter Kenny. This, and he just laughed and he was like, yep, this is exactly accurate. And he, like, broke it down and I was like, yep, yep. <laughs> so basically non-Canadian letter Kenny is where I grew up. Is that, I feel like that must be, like, everywhere small town USA, with some exceptions. My favorite part, and again, I've only seen a handful of scenes, but my favorite part is, like, the main character is, like, well, I've just decided I'm going to fight. And he, like, fights somebody and then beats him, and he's like, do you want to join us for this birthday party? (laughs) Yes. And he's like, the guy that he beats is just like, yeah, sure. And then that's what they do. And I'm like, that is exactly what it's like to grow up in a small town. Like, 100% that moment of, like, I'm going to fucking beat your ass and then we're going to party together. Exactly. Yes. It's just like being in a family. You're going to yell and scream at each other, but you still have to have dinner together. Mm-hmm. Right. Or like when they're like the rumors of this person who fucked a llama or something. And they're like, <laughs> allegedly. Well, rumors. It wasn't allegedly. Yeah. And I'm like, yes, that's exactly how it was growing up of like. Well, allegedly, somebody fucked a pumpkin or did this or that. And they're like, well, maybe he did or maybe he didn't. Like, just everybody knows that story, regardless of if it's true or not. Could you have sounded more Southern? Yes.
Uh, actually, I often, when people are like, what is your podcast called? I'm like, oh, it's All Things Terror. And then I'm like, both Jennifer and I have lived in the South, and neither of us can say the word terror, uh, which was a bad choice for two people with Southern accents. <laughs> I didn't really realize how similar we sounded until we started podcasting. I, I know. I... Uh, people often say they don't think I sound Southern, but they, I sound Midwestern, and so that's, that's how you can tell us apart. Yep, that's our distinction. I still have a little bit of the draw, and you still have a little of the, a little bit of the, the care. The nose, the both, all the nose, the both, the booth, the, uh. Yeah, you just, you just gotta get me to say rural, which clearly I struggle with trying to make it two syllables. (laughs) What? Because if I were really say it's just rural. Rural. The what? You know, rural. Well, and I did not grow up in the South, but after living in Louisiana, it's like boil, oil. Like, those are the words oh. that always get me. Um, which, again, why did we torture ourselves by making our podcast called All Things Terror? Neither of us can say that word. Terror. Ter- <laughs> All things terror. <laughs> All things horrific and unpleasant. On that note. In the real world. <laughs> welcome to All Things Terror. <laughs>